Chapter Nine of the Pathway of the Pioneer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Pathway of the Pioneer by Dolph Willard. Chapter Nine. What's the use o' grieving when the mother that bore you, Mary pity women, knew it all before you? Rudyard Kipling. There was no question as to what they should talk of tonight. B. A. had come down to fill an empty seat and the hungry deer's eyes looking out of her white face seemed to accentuate the tragedy of womanhood there was hardly a word between them all save ordinary greeting until they were assembled and then a chance remark caused hilda to criticise flair's last story on the ground of it dealing too frankly with the relations between the sexes and that seemed to lead naturally to a discussion on immorality no one mentioned a name but one and all tried with piteous fierceness to advance some sort of excuse not for herself or her opinions but for the empty chair which b a filled in vain it would always be empty from to-night and some of them felt it as a tragedy some as a dangerous thing flair and her story proved no more than a text and hilda denounced them without personal malice it was noticeable that flair never troubled to defend herself while b a beatrice or alma were in the room and she had throughout the discussion been leaning over beatrice who was sitting next to her taking less notice of the strictures passed upon herself and her work than upon some loose sheets of manuscript on which r l had been lying and which beatrice had picked up the two girls were really reading them together and perhaps hardly attending to hilda's attack his majesty's ship the london was the first of the fighting line ten ships of war where the fast nets are and thirty feet in the brine and his majesty's ship the london spoke out to the other nine it ought not to be thirty really said flair explanatorily very few of our ships draw more than twenty-nine feet even with all their stores on board but owing to the exigencies of verse i had to suppose she had culled beyond her capacities but flair how on earth do you know these things oh i have a store of splendid memories said flair with an odd laugh what's that you were saying hilda that i do no good with my stories well here's heresy for you it seems to be infinitely more of a responsibility on me to do the best i can with the gift that is in me than to hold my tongue because there are fools in the world whose weakness shall not hamper me though i wrote a dozen harmless books which were inartistic and full of platitudes because i had been afraid to write better in the more unorthodox way i should be more to blame from my point of view than if a book of mine which i knew was good work and true art made a dozen people break the seventh commandment understand me i am emphatically not my brother's keeper but i am the keeper of my own ten talents and accept my responsibility and therein hilda you will observe that i disregard the old testament but i faithfully hold with the new yes but why must you write like that hilda challenged fain to recreate human nature like all dear reformers and sure in her own strong singleness of heart that were she ruler of the universe for one week 
she could improve it according to her own satisfaction and so no doubt she could have done for it does not follow that those who think they have found a little corner of the earth to reclaim which has been forgotten by its creator in the multitude of business are self-sufficient or presumptuous if they could have their way and remedy the evils that they can see they would be quite satisfied with their own work and would not be taught any humiliating lesson for their honest convictions after all it is not god's work that they want to redo but only man's marring of it but hilda must have gone back to many beginnings to make a new flair who could write other than she did she looked up now as if she knew this the world-old eyes with their hideous wisdom fixed on hilda ask my ancestors she said don't you know the driving of flair said beatrice suddenly looking up also from the scribbled verses flair didn't write it herself it was written for her and it's the oddest thing i ever read what became of the author flair i am sure i don't know said flair cuddling down yet further into her chair with a grunt the manuscript is upstairs on my writing-table you don't want me to fetch it now do you yes now said beatrice calmly flair grunted again heaved herself out of the chair and went not because she wished to assist any more at her own vivisection but because beatrice had a way of putting on a soft pressure that was like water wearing the stone no sooner had she left the room than r l jumped into her empty seat and finding it warm tucked himself into a flattened ball and slumbered with his paw over his nose i never see r l do that but i wish i were a cat said frank it's so cosy and think of the advantage of having no backbone to speak of and no morals put in alma significantly i don't think you know said b a meditatively between luxurious clouds of tobacco that the morals of the modern woman are any more lax than those of the past generation it's a question of temperament largely chimed in flair plunging neck deep in the discussion as she re-entered the room the temperament of the age not the individual feminine nature is hysterical just now with over-pressure and it's working off by running amuck amongst the commandments just as an overrun dynamo fizzles out sparks and threatens to set the world on fire they neither of them do it though properly handled they fight fairer in america certainly said frank thoughtfully the women who compete with men don't seem to lose their position and sink into mere rivalry nor are they treated as inferiors but one can only judge by fiction and the american girl of fiction in a newspaper or government office appears to have all the men fall down and worship her she is very much of fiction said flair grimly she then writes the book of the season in six weeks and has brain fever her publisher says that it is a human document and she marries the president in between whiles she unravels mysteries with a skill beyond that of sherlock holmes and attends prize-fights to obtain copy for her paper where no man can get himself admitted r l get out of my chair there are the verses tricks beatrice unfolded the manuscript in a handwriting that was not flair's read it and passed it to alma 
Read it out to us, she said, as musically didactic as usual. I like it. It is not Flair's own, so she can't object. It's beastly, said Flair, with great frankness, settling herself in her old place and taking R. L. on her lap, where he growled himself into slumber again. And the worst of it is that I know what most of it means. I'm the only one who will, though. Go on, Alma. The driving of Flair read Alma, very slowly and distinctly. There was laughter up in heaven when the gods drove flare, and the scared soul scurried onward, blinded by the going sunward, to and fro and back and downward, with her wind-swept hair. It was sport enough for seven when the gods drove flare. Zeus had tossed a laugh to Leda. See me drive this flare. Pan would make another poet. Drive her then before she know it, and your bitter gift bestow it to a girl's despair. No relenting, for we need her. So the gods drove Flair. Said Priapus, give me leisure. I will torture Flair. See her run from what I teach her. See her inborn instinct reach her, while her Laris as a preacher warns her, have a care for our profit and our pleasure. Flare shall fly from flare, said Apollo, smiling gaily down the golden stair. She is praying, she is praying that the pain should be delaying. Just a moment, is it slaying that we risk down there? Let her breathe a while, then daily we will hunt this flare. In and out across existence ran the quarry flare, turning like a stag at water from the wondrous thing they taught her, blinded, broken, till they brought her to the golden stair, and with death in her resistance rose the cry of flare. From the goal she could not even understand or dare, racing back ere they could waft her, she leapt outward through their laughter, leapt where none might follow after, fathoms out in air, from the world's edge and the heaven, so the gods lost flare. Is that poetry? asked Magda ominously. I am sure it must be, because it's such absolute nonsense. I couldn't make out who drove what, where, and how did flare come in. The only thing that was plain to me, Frank admitted, was the last line. Like the reader of Browning's Sordello, I found the end of the poem quite lucid. So the gods lost flare. So did I she was obscured by a maze of words all through there was a good deal about driving flare upstairs to bed wasn't there though said hilda i know she sits up late after we have all gone i have always suspected it and this confirms me the writer is evidently somebody who knows her habits b a and beatrice looked at each other without speaking alma folded the paper in silence and handed it back to flare well, I vote we end this gay and festive meeting, said Magda, with obvious dread of more poetry read over her defenceless head. Come along, B.A. You take longer than I do to titivate. This was rank libel, and B.A. grinned. The meeting broke up gradually, the girls drifting out of the room to put on their hats, lingering to talk to Flair or to each other coming back as if they had still something to say. Before each of the original girls who attended the meetings left, they contrived to get Flair alone 
and ask an apparently objectless question that needed nothing to explain it but a name for the personal pronoun had not flare been the one chosen to convey news of the disaster magda came first extricating herself from b a and looked down on the messenger with troubled blue eyes flare how did she look like any one else taking a leap in the dark they go rather white and they set their lips you know that how awful how awful i couldn't have done it i should be afraid at the last moment oh marriage would scare you it wouldn't her it's a question of nerve not morality i suppose it is but you know my theories you've got principles acknowledged flare good-night april then came frank dearie couldn't you have stopped her no frank and i don't know that i should have been right to do so not when you know what it must come to mightn't there be worse don't judge human nature in the type for goodness sake of course one does not know what her temptations were but there must have been some better way out why should there does your experience go to prove it long grey years behind long grey years ahead then she saw a splash of colour in the present and flung herself on it at least if she were a gambler she gambled with splendid abandonment but there's something beyond all this flare flare had suggested that too but she did not say so now she had no religion she remarked quietly frank's sigh had hardly passed from flare's ears before alma followed her will she come back flare she asked she said not if ever she did it would be to you alma considered give her my love and do ask her to come and see me she said for with alma love asked favours but never sat in judgment she would come to you rather not to me said flare with an inspiration i should if i were in trouble alma passed on trailing clouds of glory unconsciously to herself and beatrice paused beside flare in an indefinite shadowy way of her own did you ever see him she asked no do you think she was much in love oh love said flare caldecott scornfully love is a mere matter of spoiled clothes and indigestion i can't judge of it beyond beatrice dark gravity broke into smiles how funny you are flare she said but flare did not resent magda's comment in beatrice's mouth for it had gained a comprehension tell me what you mean well i never met any girl who was engaged and whose clothes kept their pristine freshness did you years ago when we wore big sleeves a girl who was supposititiously in love always had at least one sleeve crumpled and they worry and worry and can neither eat nor sleep a nervous affection like love always upsets one's stomach beatrice vanished as she came with the same appearance of not having paused with any purpose last of all came hilda you have nothing more definite to go upon than what you told me flare nothing i wish i could have helped her she wanted someone to be strong for her perhaps and i did not even know do you think she had thought of this for long i think she must have refused many times many weary times and yet she did not refuse at last perhaps he guessed that she could be won over perhaps there was a pause the hardest thing in the world is to learn to say no said flare caldecott 
it is also the noblest said hilda quietly End of chapter nine